Bibles, if you would, to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. I want to start with a story this morning. I shared this story actually a few years back. And um, as I was praying about the message this morning, the Lord reminded me of the story. So I figured I'd share it again because those of you that... um, weren't here, you know, four or five years ago. Uh, it'll be a good story for you. Um, there was a little boy who went to the grocery market and was looking at the laundry soap. And the manager of the... Why are you laughing, Rick? You, you remember this story? <laughs> as, the, as the boy was standing on the on the... On the aisle with the laundry soap, uh, the manager happened to walk by, and he saw the little boy just looking, and and uh, he says, "Son, can I help you?" And he says, "Yes, I need to buy some laundry soap." And he says, "Okay, well, what what are you going to be doing with the laundry soap?" He says, "Well, I'm going to wash my cat." And he says, "He says, son, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You'll you'll hurt the cat if you use laundry soap." And the little boy was absolutely insistent. And he finally picked out a box of laundry soap and he, and he went and paid for it and, and he disappeared. A couple of weeks later, the little boy comes in and the manager recognized him and he went over to the boy and he says, uh, he says young man, he says, uh, how, how's your cat doing? And the boy looked at him and he says, oh, he said, the cat died. He says, well, I, I told you not to wash the cat with the soap. And he's all. Oh. He says, it wasn't the soap that killed the cat. It was the spin cycle that got him. Sydney's <laughs> not happy right now. Oh. <laughs> do you ever, I, 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 I told the story to say this, <clears throat> do you ever f- feel like you're in the spin cycle of life? You know, you can, you can survive the soap, but it's the spin cycle that you worry about. Sometimes life feels like that. Circumstances start crowding in around us and we feel like life is spinning out of control. All we have to do is survive the spin cycle. And this morning as we look at the Word of God, there are times, there are seasons in our lives where it, that's what it feels like. This, this, this cycle that we can get caught up in and um, but God has given us the ability to make choices. Someone has calculated that <clears throat> we make, on average, 5,000 decisions every day. I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think it's much more than that because you have, you have voluntary decisions that you make and then you have involuntary decisions that you make. 
just but breathing is is really a decision that your brain is making on your behalf. That's an involuntary decision to breathe in and out. There are certain things that we do during the day that we just do because we do. But then there are those decisions that we make all day long that we often debate or ponder in our minds what is the right thing to do. Decisions is is a part of life and learning to make good and right decisions is is absolutely critical to helping us when we get into the spin cycle of life. I want to I want to help you this morning. I want to give you something that will hopefully help when making decisions. And this is this is going to be kind of obvious, but hopefully it'll be helpful to you. The best way to make decisions is to narrow down your decisions before you have to make it. Does that make sense? Th- think about it this way. <clears throat> How many of you have ever eaten an In-N-Out burger? Okay, and we, we all have, okay? But what? why is In-N-Out such a successful business? Other than the animal fries, okay? 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 Well, and yeah, they, they, it is a Christian-owned company, and they, and they are very proud of that. And, and But the, the, in a marketing sense... The reason why In-N-Out Burger is such a successful business is because they have a small menu. You don't walk in and go, wow, what do I want today? Do I want chicken? Do I want fish? Do I want this? Do I want that? No. When you go to In-N-Out Burger, you you know what you want because it's limited. And you want to... cause my wife to have a meltdown, take her to a restaurant that has a menu of four or five pages. She, she just she just melts. She's like, what, what do you want, babe? I don't know. But I take her in and out. She knows exactly what she wants. So the easiest way to make choices is to narrow down those choices. Um, human nature tells us that the more choices that we have, the more apt we are to second-guess our choices. You follow me? Yeah. How many times have you been at a restaurant and you order, I don't know, you order a hot dog? Tube steak. There you go. And... You know, the whole time, the, you know, the whole time before the meal comes, you're like, man, I wonder if I should have gotten this or that, you know. But at in and out, you don't do that. The more choices that we have, the more apt we are to second guess the choices that we do make. Another thing that we tend to do is we simply put off choices. Right? Well, hey, if I if I if I do nothing, then I don't have to choose. That's not always accurate. A guy named William James said this. 
when you make, excuse me, when you have to make a choice and don't make it, that in itself is a choice. The words of Eleanor Roosevelt are very true. She said this, one philosophy is, uh, excuse me, one's philosophy is not best expressed in words. It is expressed in one's choices. In the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves. The process never ends until we die. The choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. You can have all the philosophy in the world that you want, but it's your choices that define you. In the scriptures, we have a very common example. We've shared this many, many times here at Grace, and and uh, you know, so it's it'll be common to many of us this morning. But it is it is true. And listen to what Joshua does in Joshua chapter twenty-four and verse fifteen. It says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whom you land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what does Joshua do? Joshua does the most incredible thing here. He gives the people two choices. Either you're going to serve God or you're going to serve the gods of this world. It's really that simple. And so often as as life can happen, as we feel like we are in the spin cycle of life, the, the choices tend to overwhelm us. Should I do this? Should I do that? And, and, and it can become overwhelming. But Joshua takes this huge issue in the life of Israel and he boils it down to two choices. Either you're going to do right or you're not. It really is that simple. You say, but pastor, my life is much more complicated than that. Maybe so. But don't let the spin cycle of life dictate your choices. Joshua here simplifies it down to just two choices. And as I was <clears throat> as I was praying and preparing this message, I it never even dawned on me that Caleb was going to be with us this morning. I mean, I knew he was coming, but his name, Caleb, just didn't. didn't. So this morning we're actually going to be talking about Caleb in the Bible. And so there's, there's no pun intended, and there's, and there's nothing, there's no point I'm trying to get across, okay? That's why I'm, I said that. Um, but Caleb and Joshua were actually really good friends. When the children of Israel left Egypt, Moses brought them out of Egypt, and 
<clears throat> God did a series of just miraculous things to to get them to where they where they are here in Numbers chapter 13. You know, he does the the, the, the ten plagues in Egypt to get them out of Egypt. And then once they are out of Egypt, um, they, they come to the Red Sea and, and God parts the Red Sea and drowns the armies of Egypt. And then he provides a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Water from a rock to feed, uh, to, to not feed, to provide water for millions of people through the, the journey across the desert. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them manna and all of this these things. And over and over and over, God does miraculous things in the lives of the children of Israel over and over and over and over. And then they get to the brink of the Promised Land. They get to the Jordan River and, and they're, they're getting ready to cross into the Promised Land after God has shown himself strong over and over and over. They're on the precipice of the promised land. They're getting ready to go in. But they have a choice to make. Are they going to follow God? Are they going to follow their fears? The title of my message is Choosing Faith. Choosing Faith. Numbers chapter 13. <clears throat> Let's start reading in verse 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the, of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of uh, Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. And Lord, once again, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would that you would use the Word of God to speak to us and that you would help us to draw closer to you because our time together, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, <clears throat> before we actually get into the message, there's, there's something here that I found very interesting about uh, the, the, the spies, that Moses, uh, God comes to Moses and he says, hey, I want you to get... 12 spies, and we're going to, I want you to send them into the land. But there's something that I had never noticed before until the other day when I was finalizing my notes for this. Um, in verse 2, near the end, it says, Of the tribe of their fathers, uh, send ye, uh, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. So in verse 2, God tells us that they were rulers within their tribes. And then also in verse 3, at the, at, uh, um, it says that they were, um, it says, And Moses, by uh, commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. So these were not just common people. They were, they were 
for lack of better terms, somewhat kind of considered royalty, if you would. Um, they were the heads of the tribe. And another thing that uh, one of the commentators I, I was reading brought up, and, and, and I, I, after I th- thought about it, I thought, yeah, that makes sense to me, is that not only were these men respected or heads of the, the tribes, but they had to be young men uh, because of the journey that they were about to take into the promised land, to spy out the promised land. They had to have been young men so that they could endure the, the, the rigorous journey that God had for them. So these were, these were important, smart men, probably young, that God was tasking to do this. Point number one this morning, let's look at God's instructions. God's instructions. You know, you know God's instructions... <clears throat> are really pretty simple. They're, they're not complicated. Um, when, when, when God comes to Moses and, and tells Moses, hey, this is what I want you to do, he, he then gets uh, these 12 men together and he gives them the instruction. Let's, let's read in, in verse 17, uh, chapter 13, verse 17. And Moses sent them uh, to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up uh, this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, that w- what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what, uh, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they, they, they be, that they uh, dwell in, whether uh, in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be, ye good, uh, and be ye of good courage and bring the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first uh uh, first ripe grapes. So, what does God God tells Moses to instruct the spies for a very simple task? Their 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 mission was to gather information. Right. That that's what God told them to do. Go. See, see what kind of people they are, what kind of cities they live in, you know, whether they live in tents, whether they live in cities, because they had no idea. How, they, had been, they had been in Egypt for hundreds of years. They had no idea what to expect. So God says, hey, send out 12 spies to look over the land, get this information, bring it back, and then we'll, we'll move forward. Very simple instructions. Their job was simply to gather information. So let's look at point number two, the spies report. The spies report. So the spies go into the land. They spend 40 days gathering this information. 
And they come back to Moses and, and give this report. Look at verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to uh, Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whether thou sendest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. But verse 28, there's a problem. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the uh, Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell in the, by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So what had happened? They came back with opinion, not information. God did not tell them to go and, and spy out the land so that they could determine whether or not they could conquer the land. God had instructed them to just get information. The spies report. What did they say? They said, hey, the the land is great. It flows with milk and honey, which I would love to see one day. That, that That just, to me, sounds really delicious. The land flows with milk and honey, but the cities are great and the people are are many and strong. But I want to look at the advice given by the ten. Look at verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they uh, had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land uh, through which we have gone to search it, is a land that uh, eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in that uh, in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the, the giants, the sons of Anak, which uh, come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so they were in their sight. The advice of the ten. If we go, if you know what, let's just forget it. God has God has brought us through the wilderness. God has showed us all this stuff. But you know what, it's impossible. It, It can't be done. Just forget it. The people are too big. 
the, the cities are walled. Um, uh, it, it, the, the obstacle is too big. But what did Caleb say in verse 30? Look at verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Here here Caleb in verse 30 is saying, Let's go. Let's go. But the others, they, they said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. Hey, we can't do it. And, 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 and a, 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 I'm a, in a very real sense, God is the one that has to do everything in our life. And what had happened here? The ten spies had allowed the obstacles of life to get in their way of doing something great for God. I have a book that I've had for many years. It's called, let, let, me, let, me, let me read it here so I, I get the title right. The Bumps Are What We Climb. The Bumps Are What We Climb. What, what this, the author of this book does this. He takes the obstacles of life that, that seem like mountains and he calls them bumps. And he says, and basically what the book is about is as we as Christians, as obstacles come into our lives, we need to learn how to climb the obstacles and trust God for the outcome. I love the book. It's a great book. Because it reminds me that, you know, there are times in my life that I feel incredibly inferior and the obstacles of life that come at me sometimes when I'm in that spin cycle of life seem overwhelming. And that is the exact situation that, that Israel finds itself in. There is absolutely, humanly speaking, it is impossible to do what God has told us to do. Humanly speaking. Have you ever been there? I have. But what do we need to do? We need to learn how to excuse me, we need to learn how to climb the bumps in our lives as they come along. Get over the obstacles that come along. Number three, the two choices. Because really there are just two choices in this story. The two choices. The first choice Look at chapter 14. Start reading in verse 1. It says, And and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, 
Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore have, hath the, the Lord brought us unto this land to the uh, fall, uh, to fall by the sword that uh, our wives and our children should be prey? Where were it not better for us to return to Egypt? That's a sad place to be. What happened? The, 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 the people were so overwhelmed by the obstacle that was in front of them. But look at what Caleb says in verse 6. And Joshua, the, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, Jephthah, <clears throat> uh, uh, which were of them that searched the land rent their clothes and they spake unto the company of the children of Israel saying the Lord which uh, we uh, passed through uh, excuse me the land which we had passed through to search it is an exceeding good land if the Lord delight in us then he will bring us into this land and give it us and the land which floweth with milk and honey. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> what, was, what was Joshua and Caleb saying? Hey, you know what? There is an obstacle out there, but it's not that big. If we will but trust in God, then the obstacle is, is attainable. At the beginning of the message, I, I talked about the fact that we need to simplify choices. We need to get to the core of choices and simplify them. And, and it, it, it absolutely uh, helps us make choices. But I love this story. I, I have always loved the story of Joshua and Caleb here because it reminds me just how much I need God in my life. It is a constant reminder of the fact that I can't do it on my own. In fact, I love the Old Testament if for no other reason is, is if when you read the Old Testament, what does the nation of Israel do as a, as a whole? They cycle through life, do they not? They, they walk with God for a while and then they, they backslide and then they, then they get down here and God... God chastises them and, and, and they, they start to walk with God again and then they walk for a little while and then back down they go. And, and the reality is this, that's you and me. There's not one of us in this room today that constantly walks with God every minute of every day forever. We all cycle through life. And it is, a, it is a constant reminder to me that I need. the more I trust in God, the more I eliminate the, the down cycles of life, if you would. And then when the obstacles of life come, God helps me through those when I make the right choices. So, how did the people make their choices? I want to I 
I want to help you here because this is this is really critical. How what was the process that the people used to make their choices? The process is really very simple. They heard the report and they considered the circumstances. They considered the fact that the cities were walled. And that the people were, were, were many and, and that they were giants in land. The sheer number of people were, was overwhelming. Then they did something. After, after hearing the report and all of the, uh, the news of the, of the 12 spies, or the 10 spies, I should say, they, they considered the circumstances, and then they looked around. And what did they see? Few, if any, weapons. What were they by nature? What were the, what were the, the Hebrews by profession? They were craftsmen and farmers. They were herders. That's, that's what they did. They were, not, they were not warriors. So here they are. They're looking at the circumstances, all of the, the, the walled cities and all of the obstacles and everything out there. And then they turn around and they look and they're thinking, who are we? I, I, we, can't, we can't fight this. It's in, it is... Impossible. There was no army. But the key to the problem here is one thing they forgot. They forgot what God had done in their lives. They forgot what God had, had, had brought the plagues along and, and parted the Red Sea and do, had done everything that he had done to get them to this point in their lives. They absolutely, totally forgot that God it was the God of the impossible. And what did they do? They, they looked at the circumstances, looked at themselves and said, can't be done. Right? But what did Joshua and Caleb do? Caleb and Joshua looked at it completely different. But before we go there, I want you to think about this. How do we make our decisions every day of every, every week? We do the exact same thing. We look at the circumstances. We look at the, 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 the financial woes that we all have. By the way, Christmas is just around the corner. I thought that'd cheer you up. Problems at work. People problems. Family problems. And, and we, we look at these circumstances and, and we... And, and we, 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 we get so overwhelmed by all of these circumstances out there. And we turn around and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, we, we open our, our checkbook and we think, wow, where's the money? 
to pay all the bills. We, we look around and we see few, if any, really true friends. How can I do this without my friends? There's no army to help me. It's just me. My wife or my family. That's it. That's all that's all it is. It's in, it's impossible. And we forget how good God is. And we forget that He is the God that is able to save a soul from hell. We forget about the grace and the mercy that God gives us every single day. And we forget. And we allow the circumstances of life to overwhelm our decision-making. Here they are standing on the brink. And what is Caleb does something here that is absolutely profound. He takes all of the circumstances that, that the children of Israel are being overwhelmed with. All of the circumstances. The, 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 the cities and the people and the giants and all of these things. And he boils it down to two choices. Two choices. Look at verse 8 of chapter 14. And the Lord delight in us. Excuse me. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us uh, into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. The, The first choice is, are you going to choose faith? Are you going to choose faith? The second choice we see in verse 9. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is, is with us. Fear them not. The two choices. Faith. Or fear. It's really that simple. Caleb Caleb takes all of the circumstances of the report that the ten spies brought back. Oh, it's impossible. We can't do it. And blah, 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 blah. No. Either you're going to trust God or you're going to be fearful and reject God. And there are times in our lives where we do the exact same thing. We allow the circumstances, the, the finances and the family problems and the friend problems and all of the, the, the stuff of life to encompass us. And, and we, we look at that and we look at our resources and we think it is absolutely impossible. But we need to boil it down to two choices. Either faith or fear. It boils down to this. Caleb did not deny 
that those obstacles were out there. He didn't deny. He didn't say, no, 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 no. Those weren't giants. They were, you know, they're just like you and me. No, he didn't deny any of that. And I'm not denying that the fact that we have problems. All of us have problems. We all do. In fact, some of you, I know some of the problems that you face, and I'm like, man, how do they do it? It's because we have to choose faith over fear. There's a really, really important lesson here. Well, actually, there's several, but one, one of them is we need to be careful who we listen to, for one. Caleb understood. Well, let, let, let me ask you a question. What was God trying to teach the children of Israel? Faith. That's what God, in this whole process, from Egypt all the way through the wilderness to this point, God was trying to get the people to have faith that he would take care of them. It's that simple. Question, what is God trying to teach you? The exact same thing. To just trust Him. And we will either climb the bumps that come into our lives or we will run from the bumps that come into our lives. Faith. This morning, as you know, we have the Kihiwats with us. Missionaries to the country of Japan. And I'll be honest with you, I've been to Japan. I, I know many Japanese missionaries. Most of them are retired now, but I know many of the Japanese missionaries. And planning a, a church in, in Japan is impossible, humanly speaking. It's impossible. The obstacles... We could we could spend six weeks telling you all of the obstacles that would it take it would take place for them to plant a church in Japan. So here, this young couple is setting out to do the impossible. They are stepping out by faith to do the impossible. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them some advice here right now. If you're going to be successful in the endeavor that God has called you to do, it is going to be because you choose to climb the obstacles that God brings into your life. If you do not do that, you will fail. Now, that I've given them advice, let me give everybody else advice. The same thing goes for us. Every one of us has obstacles. 
And if we will choose to climb those obstacles, God can do the impossible through each and every one of us. But if we choose to run from the obstacles, then we will fail. It's really that simple. The whole point of this message is two things. Are you going to choose faith? Or are you going to choose fear? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we wrap up our message this morning, I ask that you would help us to choose faith. Help us, dear God, to never allow the circumstances of life to dictate our joy. Never allow the circumstances of life to dictate your will for our lives. In fact, I'll go one further. Thank you for the obstacles. Because it's the obstacles of life that strengthen us. It is the obstacles of life that are a constant reminder to us that you are the God of heaven and that you care about every one of us. Thank you for those obstacles. Thank you for your love. With every 